Welcome to episode 82. In this episode, we're going to talk about what every pastor wishes people understood about them. In fact, four things that if you're a pastor, deep down inside at some point or another, these are four things that you just wish people understood. These are things that are commonly misunderstood. There's judgments made about you. People kind of think they know what you're going through, what you're thinking. And most of the time, they're wrong, or at least they just don't know what it's like to be you. Well, I was a pastor full-time for 15 years, and now I serve pastors as a part of my career. And I can tell you there are four things that I have found to be true in my own ministry and in the lives and ministry of every pastor that I work with here at Preaching Donkey. And in this episode, we're going to go through all four. And by the end of this, I think that you will feel related to, and you will feel understood at least a little bit more. And I hope that it encourages you to keep going, even though the vast majority of people just don't get you <laughs> and they don't get me. And that's okay. Here we go. What do you do for a living? This seems like a simple question. When normal people are asked this at a party or in some other social setting by a person they've just met, it's an invitation to more conversation. There's any number of acceptable answers. I'm a consultant. I work for a defense contractors. I'm a web developer. When asked the question, what do you do for a living? I know that what comes out of my mouth next, I'm a pastor, will produce one of the following outcomes. And by the way, I wrote this in February of 2015, seven years ago, almost, almost seven years ago, and it still rings true. When I would be asked, what do you do for a living? And I would say, I'm a pastor. And even now where I say, I was a pastor for 15 years and now I have a suite of resources and products that help serve pastors and help them communicate messages more effectively. Even when I say that, the same thing kind of still happens. So here's what happens when you are asked, what do you do for a living? And you say, you're a pastor. Number one, it will kill the conversation immediately. We could be having a great conversation, even laughing. And as soon as I come out with the man of the clothness, it's over. They find a reason to be done talking to me. <laughs> the person I'm talking to will become the most religious person I've ever met. This is the second thing that happens. So either it kills the conversation immediately or number two, the person I'm talking to will become the most religious person I've ever met. They'll start saying things like, you know, the Lord is really blessing us. I see him everywhere. As it says in the good book, God helps those who help themselves and other religious sounding things like that, that they think will resonate with me. They'll say things like, you know, I say in my prayers the other day, I say in my prayers every night and you, it's like five minutes ago, we were just having a normal conversation. And in fact, 30 seconds ago, we were having a normal conversation. You're behaving like a normal person. And now you realize that I'm a pastor. You don't quite know what to do with it. And so you launch into this like kind of ultra spiritual religious persona. And you're, you're trying to relate to me. You're just being polite. But I don't talk like that. And you sure as heck don't talk like that because you didn't five seconds ago. So why are we playing this game? That's just, if you're, a, if you're an authentic person, it really bothers you. Number three, uh, they will want to talk. This is my favorite reaction, but unfortunately it's rare. Sometimes being a pastor is a great way to engage in more conversation because it makes spiritual topics easier to talk about. So there is that part of it where if it doesn't kill the conversation immediately and they don't kind of morph into the most religious person you've ever met, there is this third category, which is better. And it is where 
they realize, okay, here's somebody that maybe I can trust and maybe I can talk to this person and they want to talk to you maybe about faith and spirituality or maybe a problem that they're going through or maybe they want prayer. These are all great things and this is kind of one of the benefits of it because when you're not a pastor, sometimes the subject of faith and spirituality and your walk with Jesus might be a little less easy to bring up, maybe a little less natural. But when it's what you do for a living, it's like, oh, well, I'm a pastor. So it's a big part of my life. It's kind of the most important thing to me. And so it becomes easier to invite them to church, to ask about their spiritual journey, to engage in a spiritual conversation. So that is one of the benefits of it. But again, that can be a rare thing. So if you're a pastor, you know exactly what I mean. That in most cases, it just kills the conversation immediately they start censoring their language, they start apologizing for everything they say, or they start avoiding you, <laughs> you know? Like somebody that you maybe you used to kind of hang out with or know at work or, well, your job, you know what I'm saying? Maybe if you're bivocational at work or maybe at the gym or whatever, or your neighbor, all of a sudden it's like, whoosh, they're just gone <laughs> out of your life. And you're going, I'm still the same person you knew five seconds ago, but now that you realize that I'm a pastor or once was, it's an issue. So. That can happen. You know what I'm saying. Being a pastor is unlike just about any other profession because of the holistic nature of the work we tend to take on as pastor, as an identity, not just a profession. And to that spiritual component that we are not just providing a service to people, but showing them how life is supposed to be lived for God's glory, no pressure, right? So what you do is also who you are and what you're doing in your profession is showing people how to live their lives for the glory of the God of the universe. No pressure, right? Most people don't quite know what to do with us because we seem like non-persons to them. They don't understand us, but we really wish they did. We don't feel any different than anyone else, and sometimes we feel like explaining ourselves, but most of the time we just live with it. Pastors, I want to speak on your behalf today. I want to help you put into words what you might be feeling and wish people understood about you. I'm sharing from my thoughts and experiences of being a pastor for 10 years at the time. I went on to do it for another five, so 15 years total so that you, that you may relate to everything I say, uh, pastors for 10 years, so you may not relate to everything I, say, everything I say, but you'll find some common frustrations. So number, so here we go. Here are four things people wish that you, that they understand. Here are four things pastors wish that people understood about them. Number one, pastors are just normal people. We don't feel any different than anyone else. When I became a pastor, I felt like the same person inside, but was immediately treated differently usually esteemed, right? Typically people will esteem you when you're a pastor and that can also be kind of threatening. You're, you're going, oh my gosh, like I, I don't deserve this. It's not always disrespect. Sometimes it's like too much respect where you're just going, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not your savior. I'm just a guy. So usually esteemed, but it felt foreign. Out of nowhere, it was pastor lane this and pastor lane that. To me, I'm just lane. I have struggles, doubts, hangups, good days, bad days, mediocre days. I have to lean on God for strength and I'm not Superman. And guess what? If I don't seek intimacy with Christ, I become spiritually weak just like everyone else. And if you're a pastor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Depending on the culture of your church, depending on the way that pastors in your church are esteemed or not esteemed, sometimes this pressure can be greater or less. You probably feel the same way. The more you're treated like you're superhuman, the more the expectation will haunt you. Let me say that again. The more you are treated like you are superhuman, 
the more that expectation will haunt you. You'll either try to meet the standard and crumble under it or both. You can handle the expectation of perfection. Uh, you can't, I'm sorry, <laughs> see, I did this last time. You can't handle the expectation of perfection. You can't. God is perfect, you are not, and that's okay. And what will happen is, and I've been in churches that were on, on all sides of the spectrum on this. I was in churches that had a very balanced view of the humanity of their pastors, and that was great. It was fun to work in that environment regarding this type of thing because pastors were just kind of seen as who we are, just people that happen to be in this position uh, and have a, a different calling, maybe higher expectations from a biblical perspective, understanding all that, but we're just humans. I've also worked in churches where the pastors had a much more elevated status, where it was kind of, you know, the pastors were looked at as kind of the standard bearers of spirituality. Tons of pressure in that situation. Do not recommend. <laughs> Zero out of 10, do not recommend. Because either you will work hard to meet that standard and it will become all-consuming where your relationship with God no longer becomes about intimacy with Christ and submission to him and surrendering to him day to day, just like any other Christian. No longer it becomes about that, but rather it becomes about convincing the people in your church that you are a substitute of Christ. You're, you're a kind of Christ and you're not, right? Like you're not, and neither am I. There is one Savior. There is one mediator between God and man, and it's not you and it's not me. So when we try to elevate ourselves to that status, or when we kind of like like appreciate and enjoy the the pedestal that we're placed on, be careful because that pedestal can be knocked out. And when it is, the fall is hard and fast. I much prefer to instead of trying to meet that expectation and crumble under crumbling under it. I much prefer to just point to Jesus and say, listen, my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, Ephesians 4. So my job isn't to perform ministry for you. My job isn't to stand on the mountaintop with my cape flapping in the wind as a superhuman, ultra spiritual pastor. My job is to equip you, the, the saints of God, the people of God, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, because you are a part of this as well. So our preaching needs to be that of equipping. Our leadership needs to lean towards equipping. And the more we do that, the less it becomes about us, the less pressure we're under, and the more we can communicate to people that, guess what? We are just normal people. We don't feel any different than anyone else. We just have a slightly different calling and a whole lot more spiritual pressure on our lives. And we can, we can mess it up at any point. That's, that's what goes with it. Number two, <clears throat> pastors, pastors tend to want to please people, especially people in their church. The longer you have the pastor title, the easier it is to live for the expectation of others. It becomes easy to forget that you originally became a pastor because you felt like God called you. Somewhere along the way, it becomes a pursuit in keeping the people happy with you. This is a huge trap and yet so tempting for every pastor. I have constantly tried to remind myself of what Paul says in Galatians 1.10, where he says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I still trying to please men or people? 
If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You got two choices to make. Your ministry is going to be about the pursuit of of pleasing people, or it is going to be about the pursuit of pleasing God. It cannot be both. There are going to be times when you let down your elders. There are going to be times where you let down the people in your church who expect you to do what they want or be at their whims. That's why you have got to be focused on winning the approval of God, not of men. That is much easier said than done because pastors tend to want to please people, especially the people in their church. We have this idea that everybody can like us, right? That that everybody can be our friend or at least friendly with us. I remember there was a time when I, I was very new to ministry and I had been told, you know, honor your day off, honor the Sabbath, Friday's your day off, don't work on Friday. And I was big on, yes, I'm going to do this. And I've even talked about this on the podcast about how important it is to have a day off and take a real vacation and all this stuff. So Friday was my day where I, I didn't work, but I didn't have a tactful way of talking to people about that when it would come up. So I, I was a youth pastor. I had a student. He was an older student, like a senior in high school. He wanted to meet with me about kind of his life and what he was going to do and going to college and all this. And he said, can you meet? Maybe we can do lunch. Can you meet on Friday? And without thinking about it, without even really just even thinking about the words I was saying, I just said, I don't work on Friday. To me, <laughs> it was like a normal thing because meeting with somebody at my church is and was like work. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was a friend. He was a student in my ministry, but to him, it really hurt him. He goes, Oh, you consider this work? I just wanted to hang out. And I felt awful. I was like, man, I am so sorry. I just try not to do things that are church related on Friday so that I can focus on, you know, kind of the things that I need to get done, rest a little bit, but maybe we can do it another day. So I think everything got smoothed over, but I remember carrying around this like intense regret that I had hurt this guy because to him, he thought he was meeting with his pastor who wanted to meet with him. And the, what, and what I communicated was you're just work to me. And I was crushed. And that was really just the beginning of me realizing that I was going to mess up tons of times and people were going to also misunderstand me tons of times. And there were going to be times where I would have the best of intention and people would misunderstand me and hold it against me. And there were times where I would neglect to do the things I should do. And that would be held against me and everything in between. And at the end of the day, I was still a pastor who enjoyed people being happy with me. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can't. My guess is from the hundreds and even at this point, thousands of pastors that I've worked with one-on-one and in small groups and in our courses and the coaching that we do, this is an issue for almost every pastor. Unless you are one of those people who are like, I don't like meeting with people. I don't like dealing with people. I just want to study and teach. Okay. That's like, that's rare. It's, it, it tends to be people the people who tend to be attracted to ministry are also in it for the people. And they tend to also be attracted to people and want people to be happy with them. They they certainly don't want to disappoint anyone, but at the end of the day, you are going to disappoint people, especially if you make difficult decisions. 
especially if you make decisions about leadership, about what you're going to do as a church, things in the culture that maybe uh, like go against what's biblical and you have to stand for truth. All that stuff is going to result in some people being very happy with you and other people not being very happy with you. And you have to kind of decide ahead of time that your goal, your aim is to be a servant of Jesus, not a pleaser of people. So that's number two. Pastors tend to want to please people, especially people in their church. And I don't think people really understand how deep this goes. Number three, having true friendships with church members is difficult for pastors. Some of my dearest friendships are with people inside my church. I truly feel blessed by this because it's not the norm. Sometimes it feels like church members expect you to perform for them. After all, you're a pastor. You better be perfect. We're watching you. It's hard to be friends with people for whom you are performing. This is one of the reasons why a lot of pastors just are very standoffish with the people in their church. Now, I mentioned they want the people in their church to be happy with them. And this is actually one of the reasons why they're standoffish. Because there's this fear of if you were really my friend, and if you really knew that I wasn't a perfect person, and if you really knew just how human I am, you wouldn't see me as a pastor anymore. You'd be disappointed with me and you'd be neither my friend nor a person in my church. And we're afraid of that, which is why it's difficult for pastors to have friends in their church. It's also hard because people that are friends with you in the church have the tendency to really be able to hurt you very hard, especially if they leave the church or whatever. It gets a little tiring when every conversation centers around what the church is doing or what the church is not doing, your role, your ministry, what they used to do in your ministry, what they should do in the future, what you should start doing, what you should stop doing, and on and on. It starts to feel like a job interview every time, like you have to provide last quarter's sales numbers. This is why so many pastors burn out on people in their church who act like they're friends and act like they're friendly, but really what they're doing is trying to kind of angle for position in the church. They're trying to like get a little bit more influence because maybe with the last pastor, the last pastor in this position, they didn't really have what they wanted. So they get close to you and you think that they genuinely want to be your friend, but really they're just using you because of the position you're in. So it becomes very easy to kind of pull away and not really trust the people that are close to you in the church because are they really your friend or is there something else to it? And are they going to abandon you and betray you as soon as anything comes up or as soon as there's any kind of hint that other people don't like you? These are all things that happen, unfortunately, in every church. <laughs> it's just the way it is. To anyone reading this who is not a pastor, here's how you can be a breath of fresh air to your pastor. So if you happen to be listening to this and you're not a pastor, here you go. Next time you hang out, ask how he's doing, but leave his ministry out of it. Ask about his or her family, his golf game, his dog, how his kids are doing. Ask about his wife or her husband. Basically talk to him like he's a normal guy that you consider a friend. He will thank you for it. Most conversations center around how he's performing in the ministry, but pastors are people who, just like you, like to have normal conversations about real life stuff. Again, we just want to be as normal as possible, live life in community with others, and walk through life together with God. Finally, although I have very close friendships with people inside my church, I have always sought friendships with people who do not attend my church. These friendships are near and dear to my heart. Without friends outside your church, you can begin to lose perspective when things get difficult. They do from time to time, no matter where you are. So this is kind of a little bit of a safety measure. Be friends with people who don't go to your church. Other believers, people that you can trust, people that you can confide in. 
Because there are things that you can share with people who are not under your charge and in your flock that you can't share with people who are. It's just the nature of it. So if you're not friends with any, you move, let's just say this is how it kind of works. You move to a new town, you take a role at a church, you move there, everybody in your social group is in the church. Everybody at your kid's school is in the church. Everybody that you work with is also in the church. And it becomes kind of this insular body. Well, as soon as something goes wrong and you don't have anybody close by or anybody that you can confide in that's not tied to that church, it can be incredibly isolating and incredibly lonely. So don't make that mistake. Make sure that you have friends inside the church to the extent that you can. It's worth fighting for and friends outside of the church because you're probably going to need that. Number four, I can't speak for every pastor, but I'm not judging you. (laughs) I'm not judging you. I can't tell you how many people think that because you're a pastor, you're over there just going, hmm, they're sinning. And honestly, man, it's just not the case. I recently performed a wedding. This was seven years ago, so a long time ago. I recently performed a wedding where most of the members of the bridal party were not church people. The bride and groom were super nice, and I enjoyed officiating their wedding. They invited my wife and me to the reception. There, I w- it was there that we noticed something. Nobody would talk to us. It was the weirdest thing. I've conducted weddings for close friends and have had a blast at the reception, but this one was different. It made me think of a middle school lunchroom where we were not the cool kids. At one point, some people actually did talk to us, when we made, which made us so excited, but later we found out that they were not at the ceremony, so they didn't know I was the pastor. So what happened was we were with people who were so weirded out, I think, that I was a pastor, that I led the ceremony, that when it came time for the reception and we were kind of standing around and then we sat down and ate and all this, nobody wanted to engage. I mean, it really, really felt like we were just outsiders. One guy caught us as we were leaving. He told us it was probably a good thing we were getting out of there because we must not be having a good time because of all the shenanigans. When we left, we could feel a collective sigh exhaled because the party could finally get started. It felt like we were pouring cold water on everybody's fun just by being there. What made this so discouraging was that we had not said anything judgy. We had not condemned anyone. We were just there to celebrate the bride and groom like everybody else. But what was overwhelmingly apparent to Rachel and me was that the people thought we were judging them. The truth is we were being judged. We were the pastor and his wife. We were to be avoided at all costs. I wanted to say, I'm not judging you. I've got plenty of problems of my own. I don't have the energy or time to place judgment on you. As a pastor, I long to be like Jesus. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Luke 15 describes that when he taught about God's heart for the lost, it was repulsive to the religious people of the day. But the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him. These people must have known that this man, Jesus, was not there to condemn them, but to point them to a better way. Pastors are often thought to be judging, and I can't speak for all of them, but I am not. I truly am not judging anybody that I'm around, at least not in the way that they maybe think. I think a lot of people think that if you're a pastor, you're judging the, the language that I'm saying, you're judging how many drinks I'm having, you're judging the, the decisions that I'm making. And honestly, that I, I just, I don't in real life know any pastors who interact that way, especially with people outside of the church, unbelievers that they interact with. In, in this case, the perfect example would be at a wedding. I just don't know any pastors that kind of sit around and look and go, oh, they're dancing and having a great time. It's a caricature. I don't know of anyone in real life 
where that truly exists and it's truly going through their mind. Maybe I'm naive and maybe I'm projecting because of just my own experience where this is not an issue for me. Maybe it's out there and I just don't know about it, but the perception is there. People think this guy, this gal, they must be judging me because they are a pastor. And that can be incredibly lonely. So when you put all these things together that we're just normal people, we don't feel any different than anyone else. We want to please people, especially the people in our church, but it's hard to be friends with the people in our church. It's especially difficult. And a lot of times people think that we're judging them. It can be very isolating and lonely to be a pastor. Aren't you encouraged? Thanks for coming to Preaching Donkey, right? This is just the way it is, but we are not helpless. Some of these things we will not change. They just will not change just the way it is. But as pastors, we are always going to be viewed differently. It just goes with the profession that we've chosen. But let me suggest a couple of things that might help. First, tear down the pedestal you're placed on every chance you get. Say, I'm not perfect. I struggle just like you. We're all in this together. Tear it down before it gets ripped out from under you. Do not willingly get on and stay on a pedestal. You do not belong there. That is where Jesus belongs. He is the one to be exalted. He said, the son of man will be lifted up and all men will be drawn to him. He did not say the pastor will be lifted up. That is a misconception. If that is a part of the way your church operates, work to change that. You're going to have to show the humanity of the office and show the exalted glory of Jesus. That's just your job now. It's to tear down the pedestal that you've been placed on and exalt the name of Jesus every chance you get because he is the savior and you're not. He is not going to fail anyone. You will every time and so will I. So tear down the pedestal. Secondly, always remember that you're a follower of Christ first and a pastor second, not the other way around. Now, uh, all of this is a part of what we do and how we feel in and of ourselves and our identity when we are pastors. And we have to lead through this so that people understand the proper boundaries when it comes to friendships, the, the way that we want to be viewed and how we don't want that pedestal and why it is that we're not judging people in the way that they think we are in this really kind of superficial, harsh way. All of this stuff has to be led through and it has to be communicated through and that is one of the best ways to do that is in your preaching. One of the best ways to lead is with your words. To help you do that, I want to give you my free guide. Go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-step, three-week process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling message so that when you're trying to communicate some of these ideas, you have a framework to do it. So grab your free guide preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. And I will see you in the next episode real soon. Until then, remember if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.